more than anyone else in that ECW dressing room, Tommy Dreamer. Maybe more than anybody else in the wrestling industry, you are willing to pay the price to sweat, to bleed, to suffer. You're willing to bear that cross. And I say, Tommy, don't do it. Because you see, in order to sacrifice and bear that cross for them, it means I've got to suffer too. And I'm telling you from the voice of experience that they're not worth it, Tommy. They're not worth it. You see, you've got the choice, not me. I made my bed of nails and now I've got no other choice but to be power bombed on it. But you see, Tommy, the world is smiling at you. The wrestling business is smiling at you. And don't you frown back on it. I'm going to take you back to a very deciding point in my life. A time when I believed in something. A time when I thought that my face and my name meant a difference. Do you remember the night, Tommy Dreamer? Because it's embedded in my skull. It's embedded in my heart. And it's embedded in every nightmare that I will ever have again. As Terry Funk took a bottle and began slicing and dicing Cactus Jack. The pain was so much, Tommy, that I'll be honest with you. I wanted to say, I quit Terry Funk. I give. I waved the flag and I'm a coward. Please don't cut me anymore. When I saw my saving grace, you see, Tommy, I looked out into that audience, my adoring crowd, and I saw two simple words that changed my life. Cain Dewey. Somebody had taken the time and the effort and the thought to make a sign that said Cain Dewey. And I saw other people around as every moment in my life stopped and focused in on that sign. And the pain that shot through my bigotti became a distant memory. Replaced by the pain that will be embedded in my skull till my dying day. Cain Dewey. Cain Dewey. Dewey Foley is a three-year-old boy. You sick sons of bitches! You ripped out my heart! You took everything I believed in and you flushed it down the damn toilet! You flushed my heart! You flushed my soul! And now it sickens me to sit back and see other people making the same mistake! You see, Tommy Dreamer, I gotta listen to my little boy! Every day of my life, see, Daddy! I miss Atlanta and I say it's too bad, son, because your dad traded in the Victorian house for a sweat box in Long Island. Your dad traded in a hundred thousand dollar contract, guaranteed money, insurance, respect, and the name on the dotted line of the greatest man in the world, 
to work for a scumbag who operates out of a little pissant pawn shop in Philadelphia. You don't expect me to be bitter. Tommy, when you open up your heart, when you open up your soul, and it gets shit on, it tends to make Jack a very mean boy. And so I'm saying to you, before I take these aggressions out on you, to look at your future and realize that the hardcore life is a lie, that these letters behind me are a blatant lie, that those fans who sit there and say, he's hardcore, he's hardcore, he's hardcore, wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire, you selfish son of a bitch. But I want you to understand, Tommy, and though he's hurt you time and time again deep in his heart, Raven wants you to understand that the hatred I have in here is not for you. No, no, far removed. You see, Tommy, I'm not doing this because I hate you. I love you, man. I only want the best for you, but when I hear that WCW called up your number and you say no thank you, well, it makes my blood run cold. As cold as that night in the ECW arena. And so I have got a moral obligation. You see, Tommy, I'm on the path of righteousness. And righteous men wield a lot of power. So if I've got to drag you by your face to that telephone call and dial collect and say hello Eric it's me Cactus and though I know I've burnt my bridge and I'll never be taken back with open arms I've got a wrestler here who will gladly trade in his ECW shirt for a pair of green suspenders and Tommy just think of that sound in your ear when Uncle Eric says Welcome home, Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> Welcome home. <laughs> I love being right. This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chalbello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. The American dream. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. But be the man, you gotta beat the man. Woo! Look at this.
What is going on there, Reflectionites? What is going on there to the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, and I usually would say the Essential Eleven, but I'm going to take the Essential out of the equation for this week. I'm going to call y'all the Extreme Eleven. Yes, the Extreme Eleven. And do you know why you're the Extreme Eleven? Don't worry about the, the tubular 12 and the thirsty 13 and the filthy 14. I'm talking about the extreme 11. And not only the extreme 11, the PWCites, the big Vitoites out there, everybody on the pod memes, everybody on the PW Hustle YouTube pages, the TN Couponers, the John McCugans, the Phil Schmicknicks, the Greenpieces, the Dot of Destructions, the Phil of Scott Wood, you all know who you are. But of course I keep saying the word Extreme 11 and I'm saying that because this edition of the PWR Podcast on the PWSL Networks at Podbean.com we are going to go to the Extreme. Yes, you know how the professor loves ECW, ECW, ECW. We are doing a Pro Wrestling Reflection episodic episode. We're going to go back to 1995 where we're going to talk about Extreme Championship Wrestling. Yes, that little renegade company from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The man, the visionary, Paul Heyman, the, the commissioner at that time, Todd Gordon. All the the wrestlers, all the cast, the characters that, that are out there in the, in the land of misfits, the land of Philadelphia. But yet, I have to introduce myself because I am the most extreme man on this hobby. I am the most extreme man on this political punditry. And I'm the most extremely objective man in this IWC, YWC, your friend and mine. Well, I am my own friend because I'm that vain, but I am the Professor Chabava Cruz welcoming you to the PWR podcast. And I'm not here alone for this boardroom, extreme boardroom style of this podcast. I'm with my brother from the, another mother, the liberal conservative, the conservative liberal, the man who hates Uber Eats, the man who hates Grubhub, the man who wants to ring the necks of all food delivery drivers, the man who wants to go to fast food restaurants and burn it down like Michael Douglas in Falling Down because he didn't get his orders right. That's right, he's your friend of mine, Mr. Iron Stomach One, Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Dumb Dumb Doer and the Idiot. Tommy, wonder how you doing, my friend? Not only did all that happen, but they have dismantled everything about NXT. My guy Austin Theory's on Raw. Uh, Zaya Lee's on this SmackDown. This right here, she's pregnant, so she's on there. So the Undisputed Era and now the Way are disbanded. I got nothing left. All I got left on the damn NXT is LA Knight, and I hate his name. And Cameron Grimes, who finally grew on me, and that's it. That's it. I don't like the bright arena. I don't like the loud colors. How do you go from something as awesome as that Iron Crest Eagle with a sword to it to freaking Rainbow Bright? I don't like it. But this Uber Eats, I just did a dispute. You can see it on camera. I did a dispute with my Apple card. I disputed mm -hmm. with Uber Eats. I'm never using them again. They're part of the damn... The agenda to make us all either poor or rich. Guess what? Anyone listening to this or watching it, you guys are going to fall into the poor category like me and Professor as as by design because that's what all these Amazon people, Apple people, and all the crooked-ass government people, they want all them to have the money. And I'm going to tell you something else. This should have been on Billy Ray Valentine's show. 
I'm afraid to rewatch the Hunger Games because back then I thought it wasn't possible. Now I think we're halfway there. We're going to end oh, up it, it is possible. It, no, it is possible because did you see the Squid Games on Netflix? The who? The Squid Games. I did not. I don't even know what that is. See the Squid Games. It's the same thing like the Hunger Games except more extreme. Oh, and that's the word of the day. Yeah! Extreme! But it's look, not- it's almost time for this. So... It's almost yeah. hockey time. Yes, it's almost basketball. Thursday season. night, a week from not even a week from the time this debuts Sunday is the Red Wings home opener. I'm not going mm-hmm. to that though. I am no. going on November 11th to see the Washington Capitals take on the Detroit Red Wings in Detroit. And I don't know if I'm going to wear an Oshie jersey. That's what I'm leaning towards. An mm-hmm. Ovechkin jersey. I can't wear Verona jersey because he's hurt and he's out for four months. Who's on the Red Wings? But I got his Capitals jersey because that's what happens. I buy a jersey, gets traded two days later. At least it was to the Red Wings. But I'm ready for all of it. Well, we got baseball playoffs coming up. We got basketball season coming up. We got hockey season coming up. Of course, football is in full swing. You know, I hate the Detroit. Yo, I feel sorry for you being a Detroit Lions fan, man. I hey, mean, no, I got no? Matt Stafford, L.A. Rams jersey, and I'm a lifelong 49ers fan. The okay. Lions number three, and not one game have I watched and gave a shit about or cared that they lost. And as a matter of fact, the mm-hmm. one that they should have won, but they didn't call the delay a game because they hiked the ball three seconds after the damn clock hit zero. Mm-hmm. The dude hit a 66-yard, was it 56? No, 66-yard field goal. He was my kicker on fantasy football team, so I wasn't mad at him. But the bottom line is... I don't care about the Detroit Lions winning or losing. I, just like the Red Wings. I would never cheer for another team in Detroit at a Red Wings game against the Red Wings if they were any good. But when they're sucking, I don't want my team to lose to a crappy team. If they were competitive and on mm-hmm. their way to bigger, better things, by all means, it would be tough. I don't even know if I'm more of a Red Wing fan or a Capitals fan anymore. I, I, I'm with you. I am with you on that analogy for every other sporting teams, except for the Yankees, because I am a Yankee fan. So right. whether they're good or bad, I will cheer for the Yankees. But everything else you said, I don't care about the Knicks, I don't care about the Nets, I don't no, care I about the Mets. I about the Red Wings, but I don't have high expectations. So then No, no, the same thing. I don't have high expectations of, of any other team in the, the tri-state area except for the Yankees. That's the way I, I, I'm with that. But anyway, neither here nor there, but it is the, it is, tis the season for all these sporting events to happen so so quickly here but this is a wrestling podcast this is a nostalgic wrestling podcast reflection nights and we are going back to 1995 september of 1995 to be exact this is the year reflection nights and tw i I think i told you tw that this was the year and actually this was around this time august and september that i found extreme championship wrestling by accident you know, I was flipping the channels, and it was MSG Network, and it was fu- it was funny because you know I think uh, it was on a Sunday, and I don't even know why it was on a Sunday because this was this was funny to me. But it was Sunday. It was like eleven o'clock on MSG Network, and there was just wrestling on, and I was just looking at it. And I was like, "Wait a minute, that's Captain Jack. Wait a minute, that is, that's the that's the Harris twins." I was like, "Wait a minute, that's Scotty Flamingo." Oh shit! I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna watch this thing, and it was the best hour I ever saw on wrestling TV in 1995. This episode, hmm? this episode was the no, best. No, not, not, no, no, oh. no, no, no. I'm just, I was just, 
I'm just giving you my attitude towards wrestling because, you know, 1995, I was kind of disenchanted with professional wrestling. You was already, you know, down and dirty within the trenches of it. You was in the business end of it. You was do, you was touring. You was doing the Tommy Wonder Los Rudos tours. It was from, Los Rudos by 95, yeah. Right. He was doing the Michigan tours. He was, he was going from Timbuktu to Wisconsin, all points in between. But for the professor... You know, when you had, you know, Monday Night Nitro, you know, Hulkamania against the Dungeon of Doom. And then when you had, like, you know, the the, the dentist Isaac Yankin against Brett the Hitman Hart, you kind of feel a little bit, like, disenchanted with wrestling. And it was this, it was ECW that brought the professor in 1995 back into the fold of appreciating and just watching all wrestling. And, of course, by this time, th this little company from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania... Reflectionites was the professor's number one. I don't care about what happened with Austin 316. I don't care what happened with NWO. I was a fan of this product, and I, you know, for all the for all the people, you know, TW for all those AEW fanboys you see on Twitter, maybe I was that ECW fanboy, but I, I didn't take it to that extreme to like no really pun. say that. No pun intended, but to say like WWE sucks or anything. I was just a loyal die diehard ECW man and. It was 1995. But anyway, just wanted to say, put that out there right now. And you already knew the story, TW, but for all the new Reflectionites that are listening or watching on the YouTubes, this is my organization. So for all you AEW fanboys who feel strong about AEW, I feel that way for ECW still due to this day. But TW, we're going to talk about a pivotal ECW episode here in 1995. And, you know, TW... I know, and even if the Reflectionites who haven't listened to this podcast, you have to reiterate again. I, I know you've said this to said this to nauseam, but you've said that you didn't like ECW. You had reservations of ECW. So when you see this episode, don't talk about what you saw on this, but like the presentation, because what ECW represents is a gritty side. It's that realistic side. It's that little... It's, technically the alternative side to what wrestling was being presented by the big boys of WWE and WCW. What say you, TW? I, 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 I get what you're saying, the extremism, the, the violence and all that. One problem, when this mm -hmm. episode ended, the next episode played on my TV. And that mm -hmm. episode was stunning Steve Austin becoming superstar Steve Austin. Mm -hmm. and absolutely exposes the business in that promo saying we're going to put the u.s belt on you we're going to make you the number one contender we're going to put you in world title matches go out there and give alex wright seven minutes he, he to be fair he didn't say alex wright's name but he did say buff bagwell's name and he basically mm -hmm. shit on everybody but he basically let you know how it worked that he was just waiting his time to get his spot so i guess in real in that regard you might mean reality like reality based yes reality based but not real as in they're really beating each other up um mm -hmm. it's funny because i just i know we always bring up modern wrestling and it's usually me that brings it up but someone someone was you know reacting to an aew fan talking shit about uh a, a wwe show or fan or the reaction to it was either kenny omega saying the wwe is getting desperate because they bring in legends every week which i would just say well, what's AEW getting since they bring in WWE guys every week? What, what does that make mm -hmm. 
So I, I but I Toma- know he's tomato, doing, tomato. <laughs> I think he's doing it in character. So I like what Kenny right. Omega. I don't think he's being Cody Rhodes, which is just a bitter bitch. I think Kenny Omega is just trying to get heat because he mm-hmm. also puts over Roman Reigns every chance he gets. I think I see something where Kenny Omega says, you know, his dream match is against Roman Reigns to see who the real best of the best is. I like mm-hmm. that because he treats it like it's real, right? Like mm-hmm. if we right. could fight. And he's always saying he wants to work with Vince, knowing that, A, it would make him look good because Vince is to be the one to never work with him. But I digress. But anyways... The guy said, AEW is the reason people don't watch wrestling anymore. You know, meaning it's on a downward tick in general. Because mm-hmm. nobody wants to watch 255-pound guys fake fight each other. And I thought, he, he, he's not wrong, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've said this a million times on here. And with, with this show, and I'll tie it back to ECW. ECW, the guys weren't quote-unquote midgets. And I hate that term because at one point someone would have said I was a midget out there wrestling. Because I was... 190 pounds. I'm six foot tall, but you know what I mean. They would have said I was mm-hmm. tiny next to Sid Vicious. Hell, they'd say I was tiny next to Bret Hart, let alone Sid Vicious, right? right. So ECW had all these guys. They were larger than life. And, and you know, Mick Foley coming there as Cactus Jack, he's larger than life. He's not a guy that if he walked by you on the street, you would pick a fight with. You know, not that you're picking fights with people that walk by in the street. I'm saying you'd cross mm-hmm. the street if this dude's walking your way. And then 911 comes out. This dude's a giant dude who's larger than life. And then um, Raven looks like somebody you'd cross the street when you see. They all were characters, which is funny because that's what the WWE WWE's trying to get back to is having characters or whatever. And I'm watching this show, and I'm like, these guys are all characters, you know, but... Steve Austin, that promo, I wish that would have been part of this one because it was so good because he said something in that promo that I was like, wow, I never caught that before. Well, we can merge it. What what did he say? He said, you know, I got the caboose from Eric Bischoff over the phone. He goes, and he goes, so what happens? He goes, the hottest star that could ever be is left sitting on the bench, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, because he went on to be the Mm -hmm. hottest star to ever be arguably you know, some would pick him, some would pick The Rock, some would say it's a tie, but one or both of them surpassed Hulk Hogan, in my opinion. Um, right. Again, not for longevity, but for the moment. You know, the three, four years those guys were on top, mm-hmm. they were everywhere. You know, Austin's the reason Tyson came in. Austin, you know, was just over or whatever. But these guys, ECW, the, th- the reason I brought it back, this whole show, you said best, you, you back then would be how people would say AEW fans are now, right? I wouldn't insult you that bad, but it's okay. this whole show, I just read an interview with Daniel Bryan where he literally said Dynamite has more matches in it than sometimes Raw and SmackDown have combined on a certain week. And he didn't say it shitty. He was saying there was more wrestling. As a comparison, yeah. As a comparison, and he said everyone liked The Rock and Stone Cold, but he didn't because all they did was talk. He wanted to watch wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. This ECW match that we watched, show, literally has one match, and it's all promos. Granted, it's only an hour, but mm-hmm. it's literally promo after promo after promo after promo, and then a match that's maybe 20 minutes long, and then another promo. I think there was another promo, kind of. The match turns into a promo yeah. with a bunch of guys. But but if that were AEW, they would tell you it's the greatest 45 minutes of their life. But because it's not, it's, oh, that they all they do is talk. All they do is talk. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to take mm-hmm. it to MMA. I used to watch MMA back in 95 
when dudes that were the size of 911 would fight dudes the size of Daniel Bryan. And it would be a good fight. And the little dude sometimes won, like like ripping. And the he made it a good he made it he great he made it a great effort too. That and it made it a great fight sometimes. Right. It wasn't a mismatch. And then they then they regulated as they probably should, because at some mm-hmm. point some dude the size of Sid is gonna kill somebody the size of Evan Bourne. So you 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 gotta, you know, choking him out and he won't tap out because he's got the Napoleon complex. But I didn't fully get into MMA, UFC specifically, until Ultimate Fighter started. Once Ultimate Fighter started, and I heard guys talk, and I saw the coaches, that's why Matt Hughes is my favorite. That's why Rampage Jackson is one of my favorites. Because once I saw them on there... It that didn't come out to like, wait, wait, that didn't come out to like 2005, right? That's oh, when okay. I started watching MMA. That's 15 years after the existence of UFC. Wow. And, and I watched it, you know, here and there. But you know what I took it as? Mm-hmm. I saw MMA as the reason professional wrestling was going to die. Because why would, why would you want to watch two dudes in pink and black tights fight each other fake, if you, mm-hmm. I hate that word. When you Choreographed. Can watch, predetermined. And, and, I, and I realize that in the long run. That's where the show part is better than just two dudes standing in the ring fighting each other where you know nothing about them. So now Ultimate Fighter starts. I like Michael Bisping. I like I like Matt Hughes. I hate BJ Penn because of that. But mm-hmm. when BJ Penn beat Matt Hughes in eight seconds at the Palace of Auburn Hills in the MMA or UFC's return to Detroit for the first time since they were fighting in Cobo Hall in 92-93, he shook Matt Hughes' hand and basically on the microphone talked about Matt Hughes being his hero and how he got into fighting because of Matt Hughes. And I've respected BJ Penn ever since. Because it let me know all that shit talking he was doing was to sell the fight. That's why he did it. So UFC became WWE, if you will, because mm-hmm. of promos. And now you got Conor McGregor's and and uh, Diego. Well, not Diego. He's nuts. But the, the two brothers, Diaz, Nick Diaz mm-hmm. and uh, his brother. So Nick I thought Nate. It <laughs> but but to, to go back to ECW versus ECW, I, watching this episode, Raven... I've never been a Raven guy ever, and I mm-hmm. and I think it's because of again, just like Punk, stories from people who do know him, just make me not like him because I don't like how he treated people I knew kind of thing, right? But at the same time, to each their own. Uh-huh. Raven in 1995. If you watch him, and they did so many good video packages on this, where they showed highlights of him, Dreamer, and um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about Nick that. Foley, and they did all this stuff and. He basically in '95 is the Rock and Roll Express in '85, but a heel, because the mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Express basically in '85 are dressing like David Lee Roth and coming out looking like pop culture because dudes are wearing big hair and handkerchiefs and shit around their arms. And then you go to '95, Raven looks like he would be the singer in a grunge band. Like literally, he's, that's what he's pop Kurt. Culture. He's Kurt Cobain. He's he's Kurt. He's doing- I would I would say more Lane Staley because Kurt Cobain's a bitch, but Lane Staley was the kind of guy to whoop your ass, right? Whereas Kurt mm-hmm. Cobain's wearing a Kermit the Frog sweater on his Unplugged Live looking like Mrs. Dress Up. Let, but, me, put uh, it, let me put it in my uh, spin, if you will, because, okay. you know, there's a, there's a different way of looking at ECW at my age right now at 44 than when I was in 18, because at 18 in 1995, for me, it was I guess you could say it was embarrassing to say I still watch WWF because right. of what I saw on TV. It was embarrassing to see, you know, Hulkamania against the Dungeon of Doom because it looked so cartoony from the 80s, which I like. 
but it was again, it was a decade later, so it's not right. the same thing. So watching ECW, I understand that demo, 18 to 34, that, that target audience that ECW was targeting, they were no they, they they made no bones about it. They wanted the men, the college men, the young men of the, in their twenties to watch this product, whatever it was. That's why I gravitated towards it because it felt like it was for me. Remember how you always keep saying WWE is for children. WWE is for children, right. and you're right. right. But yeah. ECW wasn't for children. It was for me, and I and I gravitated towards it at 18. So it was more of a popularity thing. Now right. you fast forward it to. At 44, and everything you said about UFC and everything, you know, we could talk about AEW, you know, everything, the past meets the present in this instance. But you need a mixture. And Daniel Bryan is, you know, he's entitled to that opinion about, well, he doesn't like The Rock and Austin because they talk. But you need a mixture. It's like, you know, a great recipe. You need wrestlers. You need wrestlers that go in there and give you like 20 20 minute broadways but you also need talkers you need people to bring those asses care about those guys you're not right you could put two of the best wrestlers in the world in the wrestling ring if nobody knows who they are they're not going to be you know also in an interview if 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 you say this to AEW fans they probably nut in their jeans Mm -hmm. daniel bryan referenced wrestling cm punk in florida in front of 75 people that's right that's that's like 10% 10% of AEW's fan base. So they would be like, dude, I could have saw that, that up and close and personal. But mm-hmm. guess what he told the story for? The people in the front row, not only did they not cheer for either one of them, they didn't even boo him. It was so quiet, he could hear the guy in the front row say to the other guy, hey, these two guys aren't very good, are they? And the other guy's, no, no, they're not really. And he used it to compare it to locking up with Kenny Omega and the action, reaction he got at Arthur Ashe. 20,000. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, I appreciate him saying that because I have stories where I've wrestled in front of 75 to 100 people, and I mm-hmm. like that audience better than the one when I wrestled in front of 2,000 people and nobody knew who I was, right? Nobody knew who I was in the 75 to 100. I've, ta- I've talked about it a million times. It was a fair where it was so hot outside. People came in just to be in an ice rink and not sweat to death at the fair and said, mm-hmm. oh, there's wrestling. And they cheered the good guy, which was me, one of the few times I was the good guy, and booed the bad guy. And they were just into it to escape reality, which is what I wish everybody else would do with wrestling now. I know someone's listening to this going, oh, you fucking rip on AEW all the time. Yeah, as a receipt. I'm not doing it because I wake up every day because I want to rip on AEW. As a matter of fact, I brought three wrestling figures today. I watched three or four weeks in a row of AEW Dynamite, and I watched Mm -hmm. Brooke Baker versus Ruby in a a rap battle, basically. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give Brooke Baker a chance. I go, if I see her figure, I'm going to buy it. I saw it today, the next day, and I bought Brooke Baker's figure. I also bought another big. This is big reflection nights. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. I also bought a second Darby Allen, uh, same line. It's a new mm-hmm. line because it came with probably what I would think is like I'm looking at all these toys and a lot of these toy belts. The the Winged Eagle looks pretty good. The U.S. title from the the WWE U.S. title that looked like an American flag. Mm-hmm. This Intercontinental belt looks terrible. This tag team belt's all right. This TNT title that come with Darby Allen is the reason I bought the figure, but it's a pretty awesome looking figure too. He's got a trench coat on, his face is half painted, he's got a skateboard that says the face of TNT or something like that on it. Mm-hmm. And I bought yeah. that and 
This is this is the one where you're sitting down. I wish I had okay. them down here to show you because I, I left them upstairs. I'm ready. You're gonna make who is the give one figure you think I'd never ever spend money on? Is he an elite guy? Yeah. Well, no, it's not. Kinda, but no. You said kind of. Who's the you one guy? I'm you didn't buy punk. Him. You didn't buy punk. No, I hate him. Okay. I've already taken a shot on him already. It's AEW figure. Punk doesn't have one yet. Oh, Omega? I have I have Omega right there. He's my reason I watch. Now it's Adam oh. Cole. I have Ooh. Omega. You you stumped me. Jericho and Hangman Page, who's going to be a star in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, you, you, yeah you, okay. But today I added Britt Baker, uh -huh. another Darby Allen, because I have a Darby Allen upstairs with the Young Bucks, because I bought him to sell him. With that little okay. Chinese girl that was champion that beat uh, some big girl for the belt. Um, and then Pac and Orange Cassidy, because I figured it'll be worth money one day. It's their first figure. I bought a Cody Rhodes figure. Oh, okay. My it goodness. It looks like the old LJN figures right there. You see them up mm -hmm. there? Yeah, I it's, see them. It's the oh, packaging okay. looks like LJN. It comes with a poster of Cody Rhodes, like the old figures used to come with those rolled-up posters in the bottom. You know those guys did work with WWE. Now they're working with AEW, so they got the get. They LJN, got on the disc. LJN's out of business, but the the no the people who did work it now right, work right, for a different no. company. No, no, I know that. Um, they worked with the WWE not too long ago. They made uh, LJN versions of Ric Flair, Austin Rock, Michaels. Mm -hmm. And I think Undertaker. They made them in the regular line, but it was Jacks, and they bombed. They didn't. They right. didn't take off at all. But I bought that Cody for two reasons. One, it was the first time I ever saw it in the store, and two, it's the very first one. So if anyone's out there collecting, the number one advice I would give you: buy what you like. Right? Of course. I bought that Brick Baker because I was stunned to see it the day after I told myself. If I see her figure, I'm buying it. And obviously, I did it for Adam Cole, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm actually going to get a Barbie dollhouse and have a bedroom set and then put the Adam Cole figure with Britt Baker and then make a little Britt Baker baby. I'm kidding. Oh, but, uh, oh, <laughs> but anyway, the number one advice I would give anybody collecting is buy what you collect, what you like. Mm -hmm. Right? Elvis. Thank you. And keep it consistent, yeah. And you gotta at least be happy with something. what you what you do not buy something because you think it's gonna be worth money because more than likely it's not gonna be because mm -hmm. they mass produce everything. The way things become valuable, one of the most valuable toys ever is a Jawa from nineteen seventy seven or whatever year, maybe it was Empire Strikes Back was the first year of the Jawas. I don't know if they were in the first movie, I can't remember. The reason they're so valuable is two reasons. One, they made a cloth cape and then they're like Screw that. That cost too much money, so they made a vinyl cape. So if you have the cloth cape one, they didn't make very many of them, so for scarcity reasons, they're worth money. Yeah. The plastic cape one, the reason it's worth money is they made a million of these Jawas, but people's parents didn't buy them 12 of them because it was 12 Jawas in the movie. They bought them one. So they actually melted them all down and made other stuff out of them because they didn't sell. If so it wasn't popular. Bought them. Right. They're if it wasn't popular, money. then they're worth more money. So that, right. if you because know that, they, nobody bought them. So the, right. there's only so many out there in the wild, if you will. Mm -hmm. However, right. if you are trying to think, all right, well, this will be worth money. My buddy gave me this advice. My buddy Jeff, he's the ring announcer for Impact. He said the first line series. So when a new line comes out, 
that series one by mm-hmm. those right so like the aew figures the problem with aew is the first line was cody omega jericho um, i don't know if jericho was in the first line i know ambrose wasn't so jericho is in it yep yep, yep. Yeah. it's jericho omega yeah, I think darby cody it's not darby because i got him in the third series oh. uh dustin i think was mm-hmm. in the first one um and then there's a girl. I can't think of who the girl is. Oh, Brandy. Brandy. Mm-hmm. So those five, they came out. Since then, they've made another Jericho in a mm-hmm. line, like Series 4. They made Omega in that uh, that new series. There's an Omega that comes with the ring that you can buy from Ringside Exclusives. The there's, first series is going to be the more valuable one because right. it's... And more- now they released a second version that called the 1B. It's variants where Jericho comes with a different outfit, Omega mm-hmm. comes in a different pose. You, you can still actually buy them on ringside, and they're not that much. They're like $5 over cost at stores. But but anyways, the very first line, and you want to get all of them. You don't want to get just one of them mm-hmm. because you want all of them. Or, again, like this right here, this guy, my man, Austin Theory, it says first time in line. So their first figure, because anybody who collects toys knows you cannot go to a Target or a Walmart if they have any figures at all. And if they have multiple guys, they're going to have Roman Reigns. They're going to have Drew McIntyre. They're going to have the Fiend. They're going to have John Cena and lately Randy Orton. Because they make them so many, They're like mass you produce. You can't I'm mass all John Cena figures. You literally have a thousand of them by now. Right. Whereas I got this one. Didn't want to get it, but it was cheap, and I had to buy it to get the shipping to be free. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is not her first. Oh, it was. I have her regular, and then I got her first time in line, Candice. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, if you buy something like that, and these elites tend to take more value, like. The Adam Cole first figure, it, I should have bought it when I seen it for sixty bucks. If I would have known it was going to end up being one hundred and twenty, but I got the other version. So, and then I got this. I saved it for you. Mm-hmm. I know you're getting mad because we're not talking about ECW, but we're about to again. Of course, right? of course. yes. You're digressing, but go ahead. No, I'm tying it all together. There you go. Bam, you know bam. What that is? Of course, the ECW Heavyweight Title. That's the ECW TV Title. World Television Champion. Oh, okay, yeah. And I bought this because it was four ninety five or five ninety five clearance out of Target, and I thought oh, I'll show it to Professor. The Legends Elite, of course. Bam Bam is one of the pillars of ECW lore. So you know, we'll get back into this because everything reflectionized it goes back. The past meets the present, so to speak, because of everything that we're talking about. But now let's get back into the ECW fold and TW. Before the, you know, we talk about toy collecting and, and you know, toy collecting one-on-one from TW, you talked about Steve Austin's promo, the reality-based promo, the, you know, peeling the behind curtain, the curtain. Yep. You know, behind the curtain kind of promo. And that's one of the things that was great about ECW because, you know, they, they use that term forbidden door to its extreme usage. And what I mean by that, it's not about people coming in from WWE to invade ECW. Their promos were actually, you know, injecting every organization they could talk about. You know, Shane Douglas did promos. He was famous for doing promos saying F. Ric Flair, F. Ric Flair. He made it his 
life's mission to, to talk bad about Ric Flair in ECW. So that was one of the examples of the Forbidden Door. You just named Steve Austin. Monday Night NyQuil, his promo was very uh, famous because he ripped on Nitro. He ripped on Bishop. He ripped on Mongo McMichael. He ripped on Eden. He, ripped, he said Jared Hall on a pole match. He knew what he was talking about. The old guys, Hogan and Macho Man. But now with this episode from September 19th, 1995, 1995, if you will, Reflectionites, we talk, we're going to talk about the most infamous promo because this Forbidden Door is a little bit different, TW, and Reflectionites. This Forbidden Door is a wrestler getting out of character to a degree to really come after fans. Now, we know that, you know, the the job of a heel TW is to create heat on himself and all that stuff. You know, generate the heat, you know, so people can yell at you, boo at you and all that. You're doing your job. But this promo here when I when I when he when he said those two words, Kane Dewey. This man poured his heart out and really said Fuck you, fans. Let me just, wait, wait, before you hold your thought. He said, fuck you, fans. I put my life on the line in this ring. I've gone through tables. I've gone through barbed wire. I've gone through exploding death matches in Japan. I lost an ear. <laughs> and this one guy who sits in the front row, who probably was a subscriber to Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer, he had these signs in the ECW arena, TW, that were very poignant. It was made to be on TV. But those two words, when Cactus Jack was in that ring, you know, during his, uh, his matches in ECW against Tommy Dreamer and Raven and the Pitbulls and whatnot, all he said was Kane Dewey. And he, and he laid a six-minute promo pouring his heart out, saying, fuck you to that particular fan. And fuck you. <laughs> To every fan, every bloodthirsty fan, he actually incorporated the realism of this is what y'all y'all think of my worth. And then he twisted it back into storylines because a couple of weeks prior, he betrayed Tommy Dreamer because, of course, Tommy Dreamer is a hardcore icon. He's a hardcore man. He, he waves that hardcore ECW flag. You know, he, he, he's, he's, he's rocking with Terry Funk. So he has to rock with Mick Foley because they're all connected with each other. And when Mick Foley betrayed Tommy Dreamer, that sparred a different storyline, TW. Now, what say you? I'm sorry I didn't want to. I didn't. I wanted to keep my train of thought, but what say the you? The whole time I'm watching Kane Dewey, I'm like, I don't get it. I'm like, Kane didn't even exist yet. I go, Mick Foley hasn't gone to WWE. I'm like, what does this mean? It's C-A-N-E, Kane, I'm like Sandman, Kane's people. Mm -hmm. And I did not get that until you said it. So it wasn't that I was trying to talk. It was like, ah, that's it. That's that was his. Shit. That was his son, Dewey yeah. Foley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't understand it. And funny enough, that Austin promo, he's got that wicked scar on his lip because he mm -hmm. doesn't have a goatee in there. And I'm like, how the hell's he got it already? Because he got that scar from Mark Merrow doing that. The sun, sun, not sunset flip bomb, but where. The, the, the King of the Ring, the King of the Ring match, I think. Got all the stitches, but actually, that's the top lip. The mm -hmm. bottom lip, he did probably in uh, WCCW or whatever. But, but yeah. So, I 
watching this and seeing Cactus Jack, and again, all these video montages of everything, like just building up to show Jack turn on Tommy. And let's not forget about Tommy. For, for one, Tommy's about 100 pounds lighter here than every time I've ever seen him. For mm-hmm. two, he looks like he looks like Frank Castle from The Punisher on Netflix. He looks like John Berendahl or whatever to me with a goatee. Um, he's pretty passionate. Um, and this is early on. In, in Again, I'm going all over. He DDTs Raven and gets a three count on him at some point. But once his dick comes out and goes, I'm not, it's not counting the record book. When this mm-hmm. is like year one or two. So that last year two, year two of the right, few. And that him never pinning Raven lasted until he went away and he beat him on the last show. Right. right yeah, 97, 97. 97. So seven years they ran with that little bitty angle. So that's, no, no, no. Let me be fair. Three years. It was a three-year war, ninety-four to ninety-seven. That in the ECW thing. In the ES- okay, ECW. I don't know where I got. I don't know how I went from ninety-three to ninety-seven being seven years. I was going from ninety to ninety-seven for some reason. Mm-hmm. Not Freudian. It's okay. What I'm saying is, they, they 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 kept it going, and this is where I will give you AEW credit. This is you get this in ECW when you have people who love wrestling running wrestling, and so. Whereas it used to be that way in the 80s. Once they started making movies and sending their guys to all these other things, angles aren't as important. I get that part, right? But they still do angles. They're just not three years long. They're not, which, except for one that I always talk about, Rock and right. Austin, or Cena and Rock. That was a three, three WrestleMania storyline was those two, two guys. It lasted two years and three WrestleManias. I think it's the most brilliant angle in the last 15 years of wrestling um but ecw i would say first of all they were ahead of their time they were absolutely ahead of their time i was watching this the whole time thinking man what would these guys have done with tony khan's money for one i'd have ended up there mm-hmm. which else would have been there two i say this to you every time we bring it up so i'm gonna say thank you again for having me watch ecw stuff because i i've yet to watch one and not enjoy it so i wish i would have known it was more than just the violent stuff. Uh, the range that ECW in the time, provided. In the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I just assumed Shane Douglas was wrestling in the same thumbtack, barbed wire matches as everybody else, but he wasn't. He was wrestling in the what would be a WCW opening contest on Nitro, mm-hmm. and then it has the, the shit at the end that nobody wanted to see as the main event. But they, mm-hmm. they were wrestling, and, and that Austin promo... He's, he called it violent trash or violent garbage or whatever. And he goes, I'm here to wrestle. So there was actually room to be a wrestler there, almost as a heel, like how Kurt mm-hmm. Angle when he first came out. The, he was doing the say your prayers, eat your vitamins and all that stuff back in 90, whatever year it was, 98, whatever. Um, 99. 99, he was doing the Hulk Hogan spiel that everyone tired on, but intentionally to get booed. Like. Mm-hmm. We don't like the goody two-shoes anymore. ECW changed us. But they were ahead of their time. They absolutely left a lasting impression. Um, I love the fact that most of the guys that were anything there went on to be either stars in WCW or WWE or both. They, they mm-hmm. went on to be stars in both. Um, and so I'm happy for those guys. And I'm happy every time I see Paul Heyman on TV, I'm happy that dude didn't end up like – the guy that ran the Herb Abrams or whatever, you know, like, because that dude, he, is, he was yeah. close. He wasn't Herb Abrams without, he, he was close to, to Didn't that Todd crazy. Gordon in a nut job too? The guy that ran ECW. Well, Todd Gordon has a little bit of, he, 
his infamous his infamy is being a uh, closet spy for WCW. So that's why they excommunicated Todd Gordon out of ECW. Oh, really? He was the reason they got all those contracts. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was he was the JJ Dillon. He was the mole. He was the mole. He was the JJ Dillon from when uh, WCW signed all those guys away from WWF. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I didn't know that, but I thought he had an episode of like some kind of cocaine or hookers or something like that. But uh. But yeah, they're ahead of their time, and I got a question for you. I know we're all over the place. Mm-hmm. They showed the Dudleys about nine hundred times, and not once did I see Bubba Ray or Devon or Spike. How many okay. Dudleys were there, and who were the original? I thought it was Devon and Bubba Ray, and then they brought people out over the years. It, it was Big Dick dances with Dudleys, uh, some other Dudley. Okay. Well, the Dudley Boy creation, the Dudley Boy character, was created because Raven was bored one night. So he had this character in his head that a guy named Daddy Dudley went across the country and had sex with a lot of women. So with that sex, it was unprotected sex, he laid the seeds down in every part of the United States. Wherever he laid that seed, it was Dudleyville. New York was a Dudleyville, California was a Dudleyville, so I can't I can't explain that part, but there were Dudleyvilles. Because of Daddy Dudley. The right. first one, the first official Dudley was called Dudley Dudley. He was a little bit smaller. Right. He was agile with the glasses. He had that dark voice. <laughs> Something like that. The second one was the guy with the cane who supposedly got hit by a Matt truck. And the truck Big actually Dudley. was Big Dick Dudley. Then you get these cast of characters. Now you got dances with Dudley because now they're trying to be funny. Bubba Ray Dudley actually came fourth or fifth there were four on this episode that right the one dances with dudley was number four because the other one was hold dudley dudley was holding the sign well that sign guy dudley he was the other guy that was trying to compete with the with the first guy in the front row he actually was brought out uh, he was working his way to behind the scenes he was just a fan and he just he he dressed like a dudley and that was his way to get into the business sign guy dudley oh was his name but he was a he was a fan who wanted to be in the business, and he's he found it. <laughs> he's still a fan. Yeah, he's still a fan now. But he he found he a way. But he found a way to get into the curtain. Into the curtain. Found the show. Some, he got he got into the show. So you know, and Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley came later. And then when it when those two meshed together as a tag team, that's why all those other Dudleys kind of faded away into obscurity, and they didn't need them anymore. And that's why. The Dudley Boys is now Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley, no matter what. That's that's what it was. But initially, Ravens Borden, he wanted to create a sideshow act called the Dudley Boys. So this way they're comical, you know, and of course Big Dick Dudley was the 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 the, the, the muscle. He was the kick ass. And so, you know, he didn't so Dudley Dudley was the guy doing all the talking. Yes. And there's Stein Dudley, Big Dick Dudley, then dances with Dudley, mm-hmm. and then Bubba came later. Right. And then obviously the big rib was a black Dudley shows up. So that's the rib is that he's fucking everybody. Of course. Right. He's fucking everybody. And, and <laughs> no one, we never saw Dudley Dudley. That was the, the daddy. Dudley, we never saw daddy Dudley. He never showed his face, but everybody knew who daddy Dudley was because that was his sons. All of it. Those were all his sons, supposedly. So that's right. where it came. But that shows you the range of ECW. We went from. The, the heartfelt promo of Kane Dewey from Mick Foley, a.k.a. Cactus Jack. Now we get into the comedy part with the Dudley Boys, T.W., 
But now let, let's go back into what it is, this storyline that has evolved for three years. And now we're in year two, and you just talked about it a little bit, is Tommy Dreamer versus Raven. So long story short for Reflectionites, I'll say this. Tommy Dreamer was the popular kid back in uh, Yonkers. They were in a camp. Raven was the, uh, the outcast. So Tommy, being with the popular crowd, used to tease Raven a lot every day during the summer cap days, TW. He also teased a fat girl whose name wasn't Beulah McGillicuddy yet. I forgot the name in the summer camp. But Raven and Beulah forged a friendship. And they came into ECW to gain revenge on Tommy Dreamer and make his life a living hell. So the fat girl became a Playboy model. Not, you know, she, she did this all to get back at Tommy Dreamer. She did not want to, like, lose the weight to feel good about herself. She <laughs> lost the weight and became a Playboy mo hustler model just so she can say fuck you to Tommy Dreamer, and her name was Beulah McGillicuddy. But I digress a little bit because be what forged from Tommy Dreamer against Raven, because during those three years from 94 to 97, every match, every kind of match, if it was a singles match TW, he never got a pin on Raven. If it was a tag team match, never got a pin. Six man, you get what I'm saying. Every kind of match between Tommy Dreamer and Raven, whether Whatever stipulation was, he never got a clean pin on Raven. That was the storyline. Hence where the Dudleys come in. Hence where Cactus Jack comes in. What ECW did with, with two guys, and also, you, you know, if I can compare this, it's a little bit of Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair because what did that few offspring? Dusty Rhodes against the Four Horsemen. Road Wars against the Four Horsemen. Rock and Roll against the Four Horsemen. And then you intermix Dusty Rose in the equation with Magnum TA and all that stuff, TW. So what say you about how two guys can intersect, interwoven a storyline and bring other cast of characters? And we haven't even gone and we haven't even talked about the match that we that one match in this show, which was the Pitbulls against Raven and Stevie Richards for the ECW tag team titles. How can two guys I guess that's either great storytelling or great management by Paul Heyman to know what he has in his locker room to like intersect with these two guys. What say you, TW? It's a great storyline. There's, but the whole time you're telling me, there's one glaring problem with it. What's that? Raven was Scotty Polo, who was supposed to be a popular kid in school, who was a rich man's son who picked up. No, that's the WCW right? story. That that's the twist. In the ECW, he was the he was the outcast. He wasn't rich. No, no, I don't mean it's Raven. I mean before he was Raven. Mm -hmm. He was Johnny Polo, and he oh, was no, I get you. Scotty Flamingo, and he was the mm -hmm. rich kid mm -hmm. everywhere. And I know what you're saying. They called Raven the rich kid in WCW, which is the right. opposite of what they're saying at Summer. I like that story, and I like that it's not on the same level because it's not even close to the same reasoning, but... Raven and and Tommy Dreamer are always going to be connected the way Sean and Brett are always going to be connected. Sean and Brett got there as tag teams first. They wrestled as tag teams. They feuded as tag teams. And then they both went on to become world champions and feuded as world champions. They had the most controversial ending of a match in the history of the wrestling business that, that still lives on as a conspiracy theory today, whether Brett knew or didn't know and all that stuff. So I like it to a point it's almost Cena and Orton. They're forever mm -hmm. tied together. But the difference is 
Raven and Tommy are tied together since youth. So it's actually cool. Even though it's kayfabe, it's cool. It, it at least make you go, well, I wonder if those guys really did go to summer camp. You know, did they really go to summer <laughs> camp together? And I, I do know that Beulah did do porn magazines because I've seen them. So yes. I, I know that. Part. I saw them too. Um, I, I saw them too. Yeah. So, so that it, it's actually, it's good. It's and and again, it's consistent because they did it the whole run. Like even if they weren't feuding with each other, they did. Didn't they team together for a minute? And some get it. They they teamed in '99 when Raven came back to ECW. So yeah. and they tried to interwoven that storyline and create a little twist to it. So that's why it it has layers, like you said. It yeah. has layers that yep. these two are intersected with each other. When they both are like 80 in the retirement home, they will be connected in some way, shape, or form in wrestling lore. So you know it's a good thing here for that. So I want to go back into. Adding your Stone Cold Steve Austin, the, the episode after that, with the, the stuff that happened before, because it comes back to Cactus Jack. Because the first ECW that I saw was Cactus Jack, Tommy Dreamer, and the Pitbulls in an eight-man against Raven, Stevie Richards, and two of the Dudleys. I think it was Dudley Dudley and Dances with Dudley, if I'm not mistaken. But it didn't matter who which Dudley. But... In that particular match, T.W., Cactus Jack did the unthinkable, the impossible. He betrayed the trust of his mentor, well, not mentor, his mentee, Tommy Dreamer, because he idolizes Mick Foley. He idolizes the hardcore ideologies. He betrayed ECW hardcore fans, and then now intersecting with the Kane Dewey promo. And what I loved about what Cactus Jack did is this is the first time I know you only saw this from this one promo but I'm trying to give you layers here that Cactus Jack because you saw a little glimpse of range and character depth with the Cactus Jack character when he when he feuded with Vader so I want to give a little bit of credence to that because I I don't want to be totally biased because I'm an ECW homer here but <laughs> in ECW you had layers with Cactus Jack. You had emotions. You had depth. And, uh, and of course, he was becoming anti-hardcore. He was in, you know, how he was corporate mankind with uh, with Vince McMahon in 98? He was anti-hardcore, but he was pro-WC. He was cheering. Eric, his promos were, Eric Bischoff, please sign Tommy Dreamer away from ECW. And the fans just threw shit at, at uh, Mick Foley. They were booing him out. That is heat, T.W. I just wanted to, to correlate that with this episode here because it's all connected to together, T.W. But from one promo where he poured his heart out, but he, he knew to bring it back to the business side of it. What say you, T.W., about the range of Mick Foley? Because we are seeing it right here. Now, again, just like Smoky Mountain, not a lot of people got ECW television. I mean, if you if you stayed up at midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., like the professor did on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, because I was committed to staying up to watch my one hour. I did it, but that doesn't that doesn't mean like uh like two million people stayed up with the professor to know this. That doesn't mean that it was like the number one show at two in the morning. Who cares if it's the number one show at two in the morning? <laughs> but that's the problem. Like with SMW, like we talked about last week, you couldn't find it on your TV. I couldn't find it. And a lot of people couldn't find ECW, but what, but I want to give the pop, what I want to give the positive spin, 
is even though that the mainstream and the masses didn't know about it, at least Vince McMahon heard of SMW and ECW. At least Eric Bischoff heard of Smoky Mountain and ECW. You know why? Because they signed those motherfuckers to their particular organizations. What say you, TW, about that assessment? Well, to answer your question about Foley tying it back to business, all of it was business. Like He, <laughs> he put the personal spin on there, but he didn't give a shit about the guy who signed saying Kane Dewey. <laughs> it was all... No, of course. If that even existed. Was there really a sign that said Kane Dewey? Yes. And which could have been planted. They plant it signs could have, all it, the time. Yeah. If that guy was or a plant, then he got me. Oh that he saw the sign and was like, I'm going to cut a promo about that sign. That is business, right? To, mm-hmm. uh, to go, like, again, anybody starting out in the wrestling business, when, you, when you're going to wrestling school, if your trainer doesn't tell you to cut promos in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth or brushing your hair or doing your makeup or whatever you're doing, then mm-hmm. they're not a good teacher because, you know, when I was younger, you'd drive next to me. This is before Bluetooth and talking through your car radio uh, or, or headsets. You'd have just thought I was talking to myself in the car because I would be cutting promos in my car for the upcoming weekend shows, just just running stuff and then hoping to remember it by the time I got to the show um, mm-hmm. or writing it down when I got somewhere to write it down. But, but Mick Foley, to have the wherewithal to see that sign, if it wasn't a plant, that's gold. That's, you know, uh, I watched another thing um on my phone, actually, because I, when I saw the Austin interview, I wanted to see if I could get just the interview because it was the opening of the October 10th uh, show, which was, I think, mm-hmm. the week after the one we watched, September 29th or some shit. I don't know. Give Maybe it, it was It was just the next one that played, but it was around the same time. Had the same mm-hmm. introduction video. Um, so when I went to look for that, I ended up seeing these other suggestions, and there was... Uh, Sandman shoots on Stone Cold's ECW time. And I was like, oh, I got to hear this. And to my pleasant surprise, he was nothing but nice to, about Austin being there. Sandy was a compu- complete professional. He came mm-hmm. there to get them over. He was just what the company needed. But he said, um, Paul would always say to him, just, he said they would go up to the 16th floor of the apartment or the hotel that they would stay at. And he goes, and they would cut promos until 7, 8 in the morning, however long it took to cut promos through the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, in Austin, so he goes, I didn't see them until they were on our TV show. And he goes, they were all gold. Like, it was awesome for him to watch them on TV. But he's, And he goes, how much of that was Heyman? He goes, no, that's all Austin. He goes, Heyman would tell us, hey, this is what you do. Go do it. He goes, Cause, right. he goes how is he going to know more about your character than you when it's your character? Because especially someone like Austin, what are you going to tell Austin to say that he doesn't know already? And that's something that's poorly missed in, in wrestling. However, the, the there's two extreme examples of... of hey, he used the magic word! Extreme! But there's two extreme examples of how it could go wrong and why it's needed, right? So... Mm-hmm. I would say everyone would agree that most WWE stuff is too scripted, right? It's mm-hmm. It doesn't feel organic. I think NXT maybe a little bit, but even that, the, the way guys, especially if there's two guys interacting, it's well, so... 2.0 2. is not organic. I would say pre-2.0 right, 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 is right. more organic. I think Ciampa does his own thing. I think that Joe Gacy guy did his own thing because it was mm-hmm. too long-winded 
for him. And like I was like, take it home. This is turning into Saturday Night Live. You, you said some good stuff, but I'll end it. You're going too long. But, okay. but the other example of that is is AEW not scripting their promos. You end up having a lot of guys saying a lot of the same thing. So there's a pro and a con to it. Not a Tony con, but it's 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 you need to give. I, I this is why I never thought you, you probably never thought I'd bring this show up on here. Curb Your Enthusiasm to me is one of the greatest shows ever because it has all these comedians on there, sometimes playing themselves, sometimes playing a character. Um, mm-hmm. And what what uh, David um, Larry David does is he says, look, this is what the scene is about. You need to reference this. You need to reference that. You need to reference that. Everything else, go crazy. Go nuts. And then the, the scene is just them all riffing all each other, and every one of them trying to pop the other guy, and they never do. And it's just it's beautiful to watch when it works. And I'm sure mm-hmm. there's stuff that the blue, the what do you call it, the blooper reel's got to be, you know, full of fails, not just you know stuff mm-hmm. that was good that didn't make it. So I think that's what wrestling needs more of is, you know, like when The Rock came back and Cena called him out for having stuff written on his hand. And mm-hmm. then he stopped and then just went top of his head. But you know, whatever he wrote on his hand, if either A, it was just references of what he wants to talk about, or a flat-out script, he then went on his own because he probably was pissed that Austin, or that Cena did that. Not Austin. Cena did that to him. And then he just went ad-lib, and it was gold. I don't remember exactly what he says, but I remember that night. And uh, so I think... ECW guys just going in there and just being to get, you know, another thing you see NXT is you, you ever see the stuff before they made it, like their tryouts and stuff, and mm-hmm. they show people like, like, and, they, and those classes. Yeah, those, cl- those, those promo classes. Those promos, and they're god-awful, right? They're mm-hmm. kind of like, Bianca Belair's first one is terrible, and Sasha Banks' first one's terrible, and Husky Harris's first one's terrible, but th- the more you go out there and fail, it motivates you to finally go out there and nail it, right? So, mm-hmm. so I, I like, I like that I watched, you know, what do you call it? Going into the wormhole. You had me watch this one specific episode that led me watching other things, which to me is a testament to the pick, because yeah, the episode's called this episode, but we're talking about ECW. This could almost be yeah, this, ECW. This, this ninety-five. <laughs> Every episode preceding this and after this actually is all connected. And the one thing that you said about, you know, the bullet points and references, Paul Heyman with Stone Cold Steve Austin or Superstar Steve Austin, he said, because Austin kept saying this, what do you want me to talk about? And Paul Heyman just said one thing. You have a grievance against WCW. Air out your grievances. That's the forbidden door there. The forbidden door there is, um, I've said this a million times. WWE does not talk about anybody else on their program. To the point where they don't even admit people have passed. They they didn't Mm -hmm. bring Dusty Rhodes and call him the NWA former world champion. I think there's pockets in time where they've done that. But, like, on primetime wrestling, not on superstars. And for a long time, NWA didn't do it either, right? Someone Mm -hmm. had to fire the first shot, and it was WCW with the whole Mick Foley thing. But DX... Went to the Omni, saying, let our friends go. That was mm-hmm. a breakthrough. But for, for Paul Heyman to let Austin go in there and just destroy WCW, to have Mick Foley come out and say, Eric Bischoff, sign Tommy Dreamer, you're not getting that before ECW. 
ECW mm-hmm. made that possible because it's free advertisement for Bischoff. And you might make somebody watch it, hoping mm-hmm. Mick Foley and Tommy Dreamer are coming out. And then you're not going to be mad at WCW for him not coming out. You're going to be mad I, at WCW. I will say, I will tell you this at 18 years old, I didn't, I wasn't uh, in tune Mark. with what? Smart Mark. You weren't a smart no, I, Mark. no, I wasn't a smart Mark, but I would just say this. When hit with the airing of the grievances of WCW, it did not make me like say, "Oh, I gotta watch Nitro because I wanted to no, see." No, 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 not Fish that. No, no, I'm, I'm, it made me not want to watch it. Right. Uh, but I'm just saying that I wasn't like interested to see if Bischoff would actually answer S- Steve Austin's uh, right. promo. Well, I wasn't expecting. I wasn't. Ex- I wasn't. Ex- no, he wouldn't. But right. I, I wasn't expecting it. The opposite is. Bischoff, please sign Tommy Dreamer. So now mm-hmm. you might watch thinking, is Tommy Dreamer coming out on Nitro? You know what right. I mean? Right, that would be the interesting part. One but of the at least that Austin references in his promo is Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero's send-off. They're, mm-hmm. so he basically told them they're going to WCW. So someone might have watched that promo and said, oh, Eddie, Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko are going to, to Nitro? Oh, I got to mm-hmm. watch it. You know what I mean? Right. Someone, they would have found out eventually anyway. Unless of course. WCW didn't tell nobody, they'd be stupid. Right. But but the thing is the, the 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 positive is outweighed by the negative. That's why you don't see it most of the time in right. either promotion, right? WCW bringing in Smoky Mountain, WWF bringing in Smoky Mountain. They needed help. That's why they brought them in. WWE bringing in ECW. They needed help. They brought in ECW. So you have to acknowledge it, right? Because because mm-hmm. you especially at that point, say it's that was best for business. Say so that's Impact. We'll we'll use Impact. At one point, it was Impact versus WWE, right? Mm-hmm. You, you would agree that – I don't think Vince would agree, but, you know, they started their Monday Night Program and got humbled. But they, they still tried. Mm-hmm. Right now, if WWE really started feeling heat from AEW and, like, damn it, what are we going to do? They're bringing an Impact. I'm telling you, if they can make it happen, because a lot they of – They can't. Now, because imp- they can't because Impact is with e- AEW. In right some way, now, shape, or form. But a lot mm-hmm. of these are handshake deals, like you said with Smoky Mountain. If Vince mm-hmm. goes to Impact, and goes, hey, what's your deal with AEW? Yeah, just a gentleman's agreement. Okay, here's a million dollars. Come on in. They're that's coming. True. They're coming. Okay, right. That's true. That that's a good. But point. my point is, at one point, Impact Wrestling fans were like, "Fuck WWE. We love this." So my point of bringing it up is bringing an ECW to WWE. I, it might not have been a huge success in most people's eyes. But it, to me, was part of the reason they end up winning this war because of momentum, baby steps, you know, build mm-hmm. a build a build a bear, because build a brace. smart, but no, build a build like baby steps to build something bigger. <laughs> oh, okay. and that piece, add this piece. So Vince is smart enough to know in 1997, 98, hey, ECW fans don't like us. Right. We mm-hmm. we're not confused thinking the people that are watching mm-hmm. that are also watching us. People watching Nitro also watch Raw and vice versa. People who watch ECW did not watch WWF. Diehards. I'm sure there were casuals for both. So mm-hmm. by bringing in ECW, you're bringing in their entire fan base because the, you've already lost them to ECW in the first place. So it's a smart move. I would think now it's a little late in the game for impact to matter. Because I would think anybody watching Impact is watching everything. No offense, Impact, but it's not what it was. Every, everything you're saying is not Impact today. It would be ROH. It would bring Ring of Honor because that would make more sense for them. 
because Ring of Honor needs that, what you're saying, more than Impact. Right, but is Ring of Honor even relevant anymore? I'm saying Impact still has TV. You know, I mean, so does Ring of Honor. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying – Ring of Honor would be fine too, but who's on there? You know, well, if, you, it, if, you take, if you take Impact, you're at least getting, top of my head, Rhino back. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if Scott Demore came Moose. on TV. Moose. Huh? You get moves from Impact if you wanted to. Right. People that are stars, you know, like – recognizable uh, uh, Kenny King is the only guy I know from Ring of Honor and the Briscoes if they're still there but- yeah the Briscoes that'd be one that's an effort deal right there let's not digress from that I understand where the point is my but- point was to compliment ECW and why they were helped yeah. by Vince why they were brought in why they were referenced and not just brought in as a renegade you're, you're right because as an ECW fan them being involved with WWE made us tolerate WWE and right. hate WCW and you even watch more. reservation like oh they're just gonna bury them and make them all look bad and then mm-hmm. RVD comes out on the raw thing and calls himself Mr. Monday night and wins mm-hmm. the world title so I don't think it was bad for ECW it was too late didn't save them but yeah, it was but it was best for business at that particular time right. visually not yeah. not behind the scenes but visually but now right. let's get into this one match that lasted for 20 minutes I know TW hated me for you know he didn't want to watch a 20-minute match with com- with commercial breaks. So that's not my fault, TW. It's just what it was there. But there was parallels in this mat- particular match. There was investment in this particular match. And for the ECW Tag Team titles, it is the champions, Raven and Stevie Richards, dancing Stevie Richards, defending their titles against the Pitbulls, Pitbull 1 and Pitbull 2, Gary Wolf and Anthony Tarente to be exact. Now, behind the scenes of this one, this is the Pitbull's last shot, TW, to become ECW Tag Team Champions. And if they would become unsuccessful after many times, after going across the country, trying to get these titles away from Raven and Stevie Richards, TW, then they would disband and the Pitbull's would be no more in ECW, TW. So you have a hook here, TW, you have a meaning, and you have the titles on the line. That's a triple threat right there. What say you about all the the amenities in this ma- match? It's it's. I actually had a question for you. Was this for this TV episode, or were they showing a match from a bigger show? That they no, this, match this was for this particular episode. So that's impressive because that's a lot on the line for you know and people, other people it, it, spinning out of this match throughout the twenty five oh. minutes. Mm-hmm. The whole episode all led to it. You know, like, you're watching it wondering why they're showing Dudley previews. You're watching it wondering why they're showing Cactus Jack previews. They're watching it. Did Cactus mm-hmm. come out? I don't no. think he But they're showing but, Tommy Dreamer talking smack about mm-hmm. Cactus, but then throwing in the little Easter egg of, and Raven, any chance I get to come after you, I'm coming. Right? Mm-hmm. So everything, it's just, like you said, the best analogy of all of it is the onions. There's so many layers to it. And then the Pitbulls, are they both dead now? They both passed away? The ball-headed guy is dead. I think Gary Wolf is still alive. I don't know I what he's he doing. he died right. like a couple years ago, like the second one. Unless it's the Eliminators that are both dead. Uh, No, Saturn is alive. I don't know about... I oh, think Saturn Cronus was is an dead. Eliminator? Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> they had so many ball guys there. Does that mean Justin Credible was an Eliminator, too? No. They were all he- roid guys, man. But... um. 
But the ball-headed uh, pit bull guy, Durante, Anthony Durante, died in, like, 2003, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. I don't know when Gary Wolf died, so, you know. Oh, I'm looking right now. He, he might not be dead. Hold on. Give well, or take. No, Gary Wolf's alive. Oh, okay. He's six, six years older than me. Oof. So, give, he give look, or take. He's looking so good. Yeah, that, that looks he's like he's... He's he, he like looks like... Probably he looked like he's wrestling in the Tennessee State grounds right there against the the Rock and Roll Express. That's what it looks like. And Rock and Roll Express looks. His name that? Is Wolf, Wolf Job was one of his names. Oh wow! But you know what? Looking at the tag team of the Pitbulls, you know they were actually in the WWF TW before. No. Yeah, they were. They they jobbed out to the Brainbusters. They jobbed out to the Heart Foundation. They jobbed out to the Demolition, but they weren't called. I don't think they what were, were they called. called? The oh. I don't know if they were called the Pitbulls, but they were together. So they've had history with you know being together and and touring up and down the highways and byways. TW. But looking at, I always say this. Well, more he died at six. Who? And Anthony Durante died at thirty-six. Well, God bless him. I mean that. That's too young. But anyway, looking at uh, at the Pitbulls, TW, I always say this. The more promotions, the more wrestling companies out there is better because at least a wrestler can flourish in a particular promotion. If you can't make it in WWE, you go to WCW. Can't make it in WCW, you go to ECW. Can't make it in ECW, go to Impact. And vice versa, you go to AEW, TW. And the Pitbulls, it merged together that this team – that these two guys can flourish in ECW. You know, they were very basic. I mean, their promos weren't that good. It was their, they needed it to be represented by somebody. But when they talked, they sucked. But their look, they had the chains around them. They, they looked like the Steiner brothers all coked up and all steroid up. What say you, TW, about the Pitbulls? Absolutely. When, I, when I'm watching this promo, the one that ended up dying, which, I mean, it was another eight years. He said, if I can't be a pit bull, I'd rather die. And I just remember looking going, ouch. You know, like, yeah, like and I just, I just read his cause of death. Pretty sad story. Uh, I won't repeat it on here, but it's not good. Um, it's not Benoit. No, worse. It's not Benoit. Fuck, I'll just tell it. He snorted. Him and, him and his girlfriend died of fentanyl drug overdose. Oh, wow. Found with needles in their arm. And a 21-month-old kid and an 8-month kid in the house for two up to two days with their dead bodies. Mm, so that's sad. sad. That's, that that's is very sad. And you, you wonder if, like, is this dude doing fentanyl because he's in pain from the damn wrestling business? You know, that's that's the thing, right? Like, I've got friends that died, man, younger than 36 because they took pain pills and... Didn't want to miss a booking. Took pain pills, wrestled, you know, hurt, injured sometimes. Took pain pills and then partied with us afterwards and didn't wake up in the morning. None with me. Like, I didn't hang out with somebody and then the next morning I wake up and they're dead in the room with me. But I've had more than one friend die that way. And you, have, you have lived what, the, what the, the TV, you know, on Vice, Dark Side of the Ring. You've seen the Dark Side of the Ring with your friends oh, and colleagues. Absolutely, so. absolutely, yeah. But let's keep it on the, the screen of the Pitbulls and the way they looked. It, it, it worked in ECW with the chains and all that stuff. They were bruisers. They were muscle-bound guys. You know, they weren't technically sound, but they, what they did was impact. Their, their move, their modus operandi was a powerbomb off the top rope, on through tables. So, TW, when you look at this match here, there's a lot of things that are going on here that, you know, it, 
I would be a hypocrite because if I would talk about like AEW tag team matches and I usually make fun of people who are AEW fans because of the Young Bucks match and, the, and that really that ball headed dude, uh, Rick Knox, really fucking up a Young Bucks match with all the he doesn't catch all the 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 flops and botches. That's the guy with the screen. That's the guy with the baggy shirt and the baggy shorts. But he always ma- he always referees the Young Bucks matches and oh, does he's a, a poor job. Oh. He's a ref. But, you know. I, I make fun of those matches because of, of, of the semantics and the errors that he does. But it, in ECW... It it's a Young Bucks match. He's got to yeah. look out for the super kick at all times. Oh, of course, but again, there's a lot of faux pas and botches in AEW tag team matches per se. But in ECW, there are no rules. And, there, you know, every in this particular match, you even said every which way. Uh, Anthony Durante went down with an injury... Who comes in to substitute in the Pitbulls but Tommy Dreamer because he hates Raven. And and all the storylines collide here that, you know, it seemed like Tommy Dreamer would get that win against Raven and he would become an ECW Tag Team Champion Reflectionized. But there's another character that makes an appearance here, and that is the referee of referees, Bill Alfonso Daddy-O. And what I loved about that storyline, TW, it had no co- correlation with Tommy Dreamer and Raven, but he had a storyline with ECW, hardcore fans, Todd Gordon, and Paul Heyman. And uh, this is what, you know, and of course, you already you already know this, and, and every every Reflection Night knows this, and my brother always teases me about it. He said, why don't you, why don't you ever do it? But I always wanted to be a referee. It took like the Hebners in Rus- you know, Dave- it-, it took Dave Hebner what he did in WrestleMania three. It took Earl Hebner what he did in WrestleMania six against, you know, during the Ultimate Challenge. And this little segment here with Bill Alfonso, this is why the professor wanted to be a referee because there were stories like this that could happen. You could be the heel referee. Hey, would I want to take a bump, TW? No. But if I yeah. had to for the for the you, greater you good, take a bump, especially yes. there. Because, by the way, he took a sick bump, and that crowd, that crowd wanting you to take the bump is why you would have taken the bump, and you would have loved mm-hmm. it. You would have thanked him for it. However, you want to talk about botches. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The power bomb that Raven took from the top row to that table, where mm-hmm. only his head hit the table, and not only did it not break, it flipped over from his head hitting it. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? That was insanity. Yes. And then... Somehow I fell asleep, and I rewound it, and Tommy Dreamer comes out. Someone ended up putting C.B. Richards through that table to make mm-hmm. up for Raven not going through it. So he's laying there, and then mm-hmm. Raven DDT's a girl. I don't even know what girl that was. Was she a Pitbulls chick? That was uh, Francine, the Pitbulls chick, yeah. Oh, Francine was with the Pitbulls? At first, yes. One of them Daisy Dukes, I liked it. But uh, I didn't know mm-hmm. that was her because I just saw her ass when she took the DDT, and I was like, I like it. She, she anyway. had, that was before the breast implants. Ah. Uh, so it's just it's just chaos, but dude, the look on Raven's face when he's laying there, mm-hmm. like he's like, like, can I move? Because nothing but his head hit that ring or the table from the mm-hmm. top rope. Not like yeah. a, not a standing power bomb, a diving power bomb, and the dude missed. By the way, that- either A, launch him and put him mm-hmm. through the table, or B. Make it close enough where you're sitting on the table and going through it for a sit-down powerbomb. Well, remember, well, remember, T.W., to be fair, 
Pitbull was holding two, two people. He was holding Raven and Steven Richards, and Raven had to take the brunt of that. that Is that, that uh, what it was? Yes, it was a double powerbomb through a table. So Stevie Richards went through the table, and Raven just hit it with his head. I yes. didn't even Stevie Richards was in the air. Yes, he that's was. Why, that's why I couldn't figure out, how did Richards go through this table? I just seen Tommy Dreamer come in, and I see, because Raven, well, I think. Remember. The last remember. Second. Remember, Bill Bill Alfonso came in to reverse the decision. Right. Tommy Dreamer was he, pissed. The, the eliminator couldn't, or right. Pitbull couldn't continue, so they lost. Right. So Tommy Dreamer thought he won the tag team titles. Bill Alfonso reverses the decision. Then Big Dick Dudley comes out and choke slams Tommy Dreamer. Bill Alfonso makes another makes a clerical logistic error. He says the choke slam is not banned because then the music of 911 comes in, comes out of the crowd, and then choke slams. And that's why I said, I don't know if I would take a choke slam, but like you said, with the crowd going crazy and the adrenaline pumping, yes, the professor, if he was Bill Alfonso, I would take that choke slam. And then because of that, then the power bomb, the double power bomb botch onto the table and Raven got the top part of the head to it. And, you know, T.W., before we close out, could you let the Reflectionites, and even new Reflectionites, who, who, may, who may have stumbled onto this, can you talk about tables in the indie scenes, how those tables are? Because an ECW table just looks horrible. It, it looks it's real. Funny, it's funny you ask that, because mm-hmm. at some point, 96, I think, is when Rhino goes there. The tables... 97. Okay, so 97. Mm-hmm. One of the times I saw Rhino after he was already there, he had gored a million people through tables, and they got that black band around the wood table, mm-hmm. and he would put a guy through the table and then come up tangled up in that damn black whatever. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I'm like, dude, how does that not cut you to pieces? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're going through these damn tables, and that black band around the table is just carving you up. He goes, Tommy, that's plastic. And I go, what? Because all the indie tables, that's metal. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. you know, you're at a high school gym. Mm-hmm. You're at a uh, you're at a armory. So it's real furniture. It's real, and that's a real table, but it's probably a Costco table, not you know the top of the line table, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the show I was on in Brook Park, Ohio, I don't know if Mick Foley wrestled JT Lightning or if I think I think Foley wrestled. He might have wrestled a name. I remember Foley being there, but I can't remember who the other name was. But JT Lightning was the promoter, God rest his soul, died really young of cancer. Um, <laughs> he took a pile driver through one of, like, I'm sure in New York, New Jersey, you got the same high school lunch tables we got that fold up into the wall kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was that type of table that didn't fold up into the wall. It was just a fold-up table. Mm-hmm. That some bitch is about that thick, like an inch to two inches thick wood with a metal band around it, like the old 50s diners, that silver ribbed band around it. Okay. He took a pile driver from somebody on that table, and the table didn't break, and I think he said, do it again. And when he did it the second time, Broke his neck. head went through that table. Oh. Which like means a hole? He like got Austin. Oh. A fucking hole. A, a hole in a two-inch piece of wood or one-inch piece of wood. So I didn't see him take it. I heard the crowd react to it. And then after the show was over, everyone's taking the ring down. And I come out, and I saw the table, and I saw the hole was the shape of his head. Mm. And he has no clue where he's at. I'm looking for him. And I go up. I go, hey, man, you all right? And he's just like, hey, 
hey, and his eyes are bugging out. Pure con- uh, concussion con- sign yeah. is your eyes bugging out. And he's like, hey. And every time he tries to talk, he almost cries because he's probably also hurting, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, hey, hey, Tommy. Or he, he always called me Calavera. He's hey, hey, Calavera, did you get your money? I'm like, no, that's what I came looking for. And then finally someone came up to me like, dude, dude, he's not good. He got mad and threw that table out in the dumpster. And I'm sure he had to pay for that table, by the way, because it was the armory's table. Mm-hmm. And one of Travis's favorite things to reference is going Broadway with something, right? Do you remember the whatever World Wrestling Council, that Australia shit that Lex Luger did, and he had a match against Buff Bagwell, and he tried mm-hmm. taking his shirt off in the middle of the interview, and he couldn't get it off? And the final yeah. end of the interview, he goes, Bruh! and then just, like, blows the whole promo because he can't get his shirt on. So that's where... He's, he's, he calls it Luger going Broadway with the T-shirt is the reference. Mm-hmm. Right. JT, God rest his soul again, if you didn't care about this dude, or like me in hindsight when you knew he was okay, if you don't watch him in that table and laugh your ass off, you, you never will because he this dumpster's taller than him, and he's trying to throw this 200-pound table or 150-pound table that's used for military people. It's like the with, last supper table. With a he's concussion. Throwing, huh? With a concussion. With a concussion and, and pain. He's trying throwing this thing away and <coughs> going up half in and then falling back out. And he's got to get out of the way of it because it's going to hit him. And he finally got it in there. And I think there was a bronze cheer for people watching it. Like, yay. But people were so afraid. That he, like, at first year, well, I don't think anybody cheered. I, I think everyone's watching him, like, afraid. Like, dude, is he mm-hmm. going to be all right? Because he, it was like... He couldn't do anything else until he threw this damn table in the dumpster. And he finally got it in there. I think someone might even have helped him. But it was it, those those tables on indie shows. And I got a scar right here from a chair where a guy dropped the elbow on the chair. He dropped mm-hmm. it on my chest, but it brought my chin down with the chair and cut me right through. Like the teeth pushing on the back of my lip cut the top of my lip. I was bleeding from that. Ch- chairs were real. I watched uh, Tommy Dreamer highlight. He's got Raven handcuffed to that cage, and he hit mm-hmm. him with the seat, and the chair unfolded from the hitting him with the damn seat. It unfolded, and those indie chairs, which I'm sure is what ECW is using in years one and two before they got some money to get gimmick chairs, they don't unfold easy. You probably been to some old ass armory or school where you're trying to unfold that chair, and they, it's like they use they use foldable chairs. When I went to those ECW shows. They did right. not use like, you didn't have chairs. Folded and unfolded, I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. I got a chair from Monday Night Raw that just folds right up. Mm-hmm. These are like old, like made in the seventies and eighties, and they're all seized up because of the damn so when he hit him with that chair, full he looks like the major league baseball logo, like mm-hmm. winging the bat and that thing, and they pause it right as it hits right. his head, and the chair opens, and I'm just like, damn. That's Between that and the table, Raven's got a couple concussions in his career. For sure. That's why he took a lot of liquor and he took a <laughs> lot of drugs. Right. And with that, the Pitbulls became ECW Ooh, Tag like Team it. Champions. What's that? Yes. This is a direct quote from Raven in front of me in the locker room where someone said, where can you get drugs? And Raven goes, every town has a Martin Luther King drive. Go there and you will find drugs. <laughs> it's true. There's mm-hmm. a Martin Luther King Drive in Detroit. There's a Martin Luther King Drive in Flint. You go to either one of them, you'll find whatever you need. And it's it's yeah. very sad that that's true. But he said that in the locker room, Martin Luther King Drive. And, and, I thought, and, when, 
And when ECW went went to New York, he went to Martin Luther King Boulevard. So it's it's the same <laughs> thing. So with that being said, Reflection Nights, we close out on this episodic episode of ECW from 1995. And and TW, it was a pleasure. And you know what? I, I'm just gonna try to make it my mission to give you these ECW shows to enjoy from 95, 95, 96, and 97. So this way you can enjoy what you missed out. So with that, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. I don't know what we're going to do next week. I'm going to surprise even TW. Go ahead, TW. All right. I, I got – there's something that you – I want to talk about this real quick. Oh, What's that? Man, what's that? Um, Is that the Beulah McGillicuddy uh, no, playboy shoe? I found it. Okay. Thanks for the suggestion. I'll hold to this one. Josh Loberg, who I think tweets us every week, says... Couponer. Yes. Yes. He says, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, Super Bowl Wrestling 1995, big card, Kane versus Taker when he was Unibomb. I think we should do it. I think we should do that show. And I, I didn't want to not talk about Josh because... who Who's the other one? No, that's him. He's TN Couponer. It's Josh oh, Loberg. Okay. But he's always tweeting something to us. And so... And I saw to see the Thrasher or Matt, whatever headbanger that is in the little the gimmick there. But I think we mm-hmm. should do that show. Doesn't have to be next. Um, mm-hmm. No, it's know. on the it's on the list. It is yeah, on the list. It's on the list. Because we just did a Smoky Mountain, so you know we probably want to do it down the way. But let's pin it in the thing and and do that show eventually. But now back Absolutely. to the the uh, gimmicks here. So. We are in the Pro Wrestling Condi- Wrestling Pro Wrestling Coalition Network, which is PWC Network at Podbean.com. Our show is at PW Reflection. Uh, JB, I said last week was the last time, but this week is the last time, unless I hear from you. At the P1JB, uh, our good man Big Ray is at Big Ray Hernandez. Um, we can't do any of this without him. Mine are at Tommy Wonder 19 or at the Tommy Wonder on Twitter. Uh, Tommy Wonder 19 is also my Instagram, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Snapchat is Number Wonder. Uh, I have the YouTube channel, Dum Dum Duo and an Idiot. And then, of course, Big Vito, um, BigVitoBrand.Wixsite.com, Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito Brand. Him and his wife always look out for us, as do the entire brand. And so check them out. And, of course, you can find me on the Twitter at PWSO, P-R-O-F, that's PWSO, Prof. And, of course, check out the PW Reflection on the PWSO Networks on the YouTubes. And, of course, follow my guys, my brothers in arms, 8-Track Dashley, the king of the reactions. Cobra Kai is coming up, guys. So get (laughs) on the YouTubes for the 8-Track reactions to Cobra Kai. Follow him at 8-Track Dashley. And, of course, the man with the documents, the man who has proof that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are working in conjunction to divide and conquer the United States of America, to make people like T.W. even look like sheep. And when he finds out that they're working together in conjunction, he's going to be like, he's going to be like that guy that, that saw The Undertaker lose to Brock Lesnar. He's going to have that face. You know why? Why? It wouldn't be because two politicians are working together. It would be why because would Biden was coherent enough to work with, because he's not. And so maybe his handlers, maybe whatever puppets, tears got their hand up his ass making him work. 
then yes. But I have absolutely no faith in the government whatsoever. And that's why I like Donald Trump, because he wasn't a career politician. So if he ends up being one, then I realized there was no hope for any of us. So trust me, if that were ever to be proven true, I'd be done with him just the same as I was done with everybody else. I don't like career politicians. And that's why you got to follow Billy Ray Valentine at OB1 You Know Me and follow the Infinite Fringe. And again, I don't know what we're going to do next week. We might go episodic. We might go to the movies. We might talk spotlights. We might do robberies. Who knows? But I'll keep you on your toes, Reflection Nights. I'll keep you on your toes. And for that, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful Tommy Wonder saying good night. And we'll see you next time here. ECW, ECW. Get that chair, TW, and bash your head in. Oh, that's that's my hand. That's hand hurt. That's that's close enough. Good night, you, Reflection Nights. You look good in ECW. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>